I'm just a Broadway baby. Do-do-do. Walking <laughs> off my tired feet. Do-do-do. Pounding 42nd Street to be in a show. Do-do-do. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Riverdale Recap Podcast here to talk about Chapter 131, Archie. The Musical, written by Tessa Lee Williams, directed by Ronald Paul Richard. And a lot of other people who wrote songs. I'm pretty sure it's just directed by the one guy. Yeah, but the songs were written by other people. Sure, sure. That That's not really how TV writing credits work. I know, I'm just okay. saying. Okay. I'm just, since it's a musical one, and it's, it's true. original, I think it's, it's important true. to point out that it was not, not all done by the same person. <laughs> that is all. So, yes, as the title would suggest, this is season seven's big musical episode. And as my dear, lovely wife and co host just mentioned, it is an original musical. These songs were all written for this episode, asterisk. Asterisk. There's an asterisk there. Uh, But you have probably, very, very probably, never heard these songs before this episode came out. And the attendant Spotify album of the ten songs, or nine plus a reprise, followed it. Yes, yes. I don't know, yesterday? Yes, yesterday. Yesterday, (laughs) yeah. Well, two days ago at the time of uh, this episode's release. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, with this this episode we didn't know what to expect right and what yeah. we got is basically what the marketing suggested when this was announced yeah. a few weeks ago yeah. it's it's kevin writing a musical about his good friend archie and a, as a lens into life in riverdale in 1955 yes so so we open on the scene there's no narration we don't get jughead narration we don't get anything telling us any of this we get an alarm clock we is an the first thing clock, we hear and we get archie singing about how it's uh the first day back at school and how you know after summer break and all he wants is one more day of summer and it's you know like this is the worst day because it's the first day back but at least at least it's senior year and this song is called monday senior year this is written by matthew do uh matthew doers doers d-o-e-r-s uh and he wrote this in the year 2002 Oh. He collaborated on this with one Roberto Aguirre Sacasa ah! <laughs> while he was attending drama school at Yale. What the fuck? The year, mm-hmm. the year before he would attempt to stage a non-musical play known as Archie's Weird Fantasy, which was DMCA'd by Archie Comics the day before its premiere and retitled. Yes. This yes. show is just some people's Archie fan fiction come to life. <laughs> so we've, I know we've talked, and we even mentioned it last week. I know we've talked about Archie's weird fantasy retitled to weird comic book fantasy. But have we gone in detail? I don't think we ever have. Maybe not. So I'd like to go through some, 
uh, plot points and, and other uh, bits that we know from a, a theater review from a local paper. This, this play was staged with the, like, uh, a brand identity torn out, characters' names changed to, to protect the innocent, Arnold. right? Uh, Buddy. Buddy Baxter Buddy. Oh. instead of Archie Andrews. Of course. That sort of thing. Uh, very glamour I guess. <laughs> I wonder where they got the ideas. So what we know about this play comes from a local journalist, support local journalism, especially for the arts, <laughs> uh, in, in Atlanta. And so it is... Famously, if you know anything about this play, you know it's about Archie uh, coming out as gay and moving to New York. What you might not know is that uh, he is dating Leopold, who is dating Loeb. What? Uh-huh. What? Archie also gets a job at EC Comics working for uh, uh, Al uh, uh, Feldstein. Oh my god. During the crackdown that, that led to oh. the Comics Code oh Authority. My, oh my god. He winds up dating a much nicer boy who is uh, very clearly uh, uh, Jimmy Olsen from Superman. And not a murderer. And not a murderer. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, but also, be, be, uh, uh, it is simultaneously the 20s and the 50s and present day because they're talking about emailing people. Not confusing at all. No. <laughs> But, but basically everything we know about this play is somewhere in, uh, and, and some of it very foundationally in, Riverdale. Riverdale has just been recreating this play in all things except making Archie gay. Yeah. Just making everyone else bi or gay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, not Jughead. Jughead also. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now... I feel like this song reminds me a lot of Heather's the Musical. Yes, yes. This song, like, I'm like, this this could be in it. This could have been one of the, like, versions of, like... Yeah, I mean, especially current Heather's the Musical after it's had uh, its edges sanded down so much. Yeah. Um, the move to London, the official high school version. But it, it very much has the, like, feel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as this story goes, it's not just Archie who's preparing for Monday senior year. It's a Jughead who uh, springs up from his, uh, who, who tears a page out of his uh, uh, typewriter and slaps down in a folder marked genius story ideas. Well, before that, it was also Betty yes, and yes. Veronica. Betty does a dance on her bed. Uh, Veronica does a magic quick change in her mirror. Yes. Um, we, with Jughead, we are transported to the school where, like, so he, like, slaps it down, he yes. sings the hot dog, so yes. we know hot dog's alive, that's yes. cool. Well, hot dog's in the musical. <laughs> uh, then he, like, s finds pizza boxes under his bed, and then he's, like, in the school, mm -hmm. and he just starts singing about all the food he's gonna eat there in the cafeteria, yes. and he's yes. joined by Ethel and Dilton and Ben, all singing about food, and it's, like, the most Jughead thing. To, to go back to that play, do you want to guess the uh, copyright-safe name of the Jughead character? Pizza Box. Tapeworm. Tapeworm. <laughs> I feel like I knew that, actually. Buddy's friend nicknamed Tapeworm. <laughs> okay, that makes Jughead seem like really badass. <laughs> like, that should be his name when he's in the serpents, is Tapeworm. <laughs> Because he's a creepy little parasite no one wants? Yeah. Okay. Fuck you up. 
Uh, but then we, we get Cheryl and the mm-hmm. Vixens, including Tony, like, walking through the hallways singing about how they're so cool. We get Reggie and Julian and Fangs with the basketball dudes uh, talking about, like, college girls mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and being number one. And very much moves from, like, high school musical basketball scenes. Yes. Love yes. it. Um, Originally written in 2002. Yeah. Yeah, it's in the air. And then Archie pulls up in his jalopy with Veronica and Betty in the back of his car, and he high-fives Jughead on the way in, and that's where I'm like, oh, dream sequence. Because <laughs> you guys aren't friends. Not in this season. And then it leads up to a, just a big group choreographed number on the school stairs. My favorite thing about the annual musical episode is when they get new background actors who are dancers. Yeah, and they like zoom in on them for a hot second too long. And you're like, who fucks that? I've never seen this person before. But you know what? They're they're really laying it down. Yeah. (laughs) There's some guy in this one that I'm like, who are you? Who are you, buddy? He's doing wonderful finger gun choreography. Yeah. Uh, and then when they do their, like, big jazz hand final, Kevin's like, wow, that was incredible. And we cut back to the music room where they have all done their first sing-through uh-huh, of the song. Uh-huh. They're, and, they're all with their little uh, music stands in the music room. And, and what we have learned is that, yes, Kevin's writing this, and they are practicing because the principal needs to approve it. So they're going to do a workshop of it. To get his approval so they can put it on next spring. And everyone fucking hates this song. Well, they don't hate it. They're mostly confused They're confused. Archie's like, wait, why are we seniors? We're juniors. This doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) And uh, Julian's like, why am I a bit player in this? Like, I'm the best singer here. And Midge is like, no, you're not. It's Bangs. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Just another reminder... Uh, Julian's actor was on a tour with, the, the, like, the National Hades Town tour as Orpheus. Who we saw. <laughs> and I will say that the the register they have him singing these songs in suit him a lot better. Yes. Yes. So he was, like, I mean, he was really good. He's really my, good. My whole thing with Hades Town. But the thing is, Hadestown, like, compared well, to Reef Carney. Yeah, and my whole thing with Hades Town, I remember I said this to you after we saw him, was I was like, I mean, I can't do what he fucking did. Like, he great, mm-hmm. but I don't, like, if you know that show, the music for that character goes very high. Yes, yes. Very, very high. And I don't feel like it was ever comfortable for him. Yeah, his falsetto does not suit the character. Yes. And in these songs, he never has to fucking use it. Yes. And like, I was, he sounds like the most amazing out of everyone. Yeah. Like, yeah. And again, like he wasn't bad in Town, but it just didn't, it wasn't that effortlessness of the falsetto that right. you felt in this like ethereal, like-ness of it. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. just didn't have the right vibe. He was great. I couldn't do that shit, but... <laughs> But, uh, so everyone kind of voices their complaints, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then Kevin's trying to, like, calm down, like, well, you guys, you guys, like, okay, the the next song we're gonna do, it's it's about prom night, and Midge squeaks, and Jughead's like, um, no, (laughs) I, I don't do, like, musicals, uh, this isn't really my thing, so I'm gonna bow out, 
so I don't have to sing again in this whole fucking episode. Quote, there is no lower art form than American musical comedy. <laughs> and Reggie's like, yeah, you know, uh... This really isn't my thing either. Like, I got a face for acting, but, like, I'm not interested. Also gonna bow out so I don't have to sing in this episode. <laughs> and I kind of love it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I love that we this... were just straight up like, and check. From now Done. on, the rest of the episode, at least, like, the first two thirds, yeah. they've invented Survivor. People keep <laughs> getting voted off the island. My but, choice, though. My personal choice. But yeah, if instead of voting, everyone just resigned. Like, I am the most not happy. I'm leaving. Yeah. Yeah. So Kevin's like, okay, okay. So, like, all of you, like, go except for Archie and Julian. Archie, I want to rehearse your song. And since Julian is uh, Archie's understudy, he needs to be here, too. Which is one of the things Julian's most upset about. Yes. Uh, and then they proceed to do the weirdest fucking thing you do, uh-huh. which is have both of them sing at the same time. See, so, uh, they uh, introduced this as Archie's big I want song, which is, I think, a way of categorizing musical numbers that would not exist for decades. Yes. I don't think this was a term in the literature yet. No. But uh, fine, whatever. <laughs> So this song is, you know, all about, like, his deepest desires, about, you know, how he's a 17-year-old trying to, like, figure out what he wants, uh, you know, does he want Betty or Veronica, and it turns into this montage of them trying to one-up each other. Yes. In, uh, in a montage, like, shirtless know, duel. Dream, dream sequence type montage, and they're, like, running down the road trying to outrun each other and then they're like well i'm gonna rip off my shirt and show my abs well i'm gonna do that too and my abs are better i'm gonna throw my shirt on the ground i'm gonna throw mine better and then and then Then they end up in the steamy hot showers of the locker room where they're like slapping their hands on the tile wall harder than each other and like wiping the like water out of their head like oh oh they're uh. trying to outshower each other which i didn't know was a competitive sport if you're going to have anything that makes anyone think is the archie in this show gay <laughs> it is this song i mean is it gay if it's yourself this this is autoerotic. I don't. I mean, I don't Excuse know. Excuse me, animatronic. You got two dudes in the shower whipping it out at each other, <laughs> trying to like one up each other. It seems like it could be kind of sexual, and uh, yeah. So this song is called Archie's All American. It is written by Joe Iconis. Uh, Joe Iconis, most famous for uh, uh, doing the songs for Be More Chill, a musical that was huge in like the Tumblr musical fandom, but I think blows. I feel like I've heard of it, but I don't remember. It has one truly phenomenal song. It has a lot of other songs. But this might be my favorite song in this episode, all the same. I like Archie's All-American a lot. It's, I, I it's really pretty do. good. It's pretty good. And, like, they, I mean, they, like, just go crazy in it. And the scene of it is pretty funny. Part of it, part of it might be because the song is just Johnny Can't Decide, but with a second angrier Johnny. Yes. <laughs> uh, but then Archie's like, stop, stop, stop. He's like, you know, it's super distracting having my understudy sing with me. (laughs) It is. It's a weird thing. No one does this. 
And uh, I'm like, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's super also, fucking weird. you're singing harmonies. Why did you write harmonies in a solo, Kevin? What are you doing? And Archie's also like, like I don't, I don't understand what I'm singing about. And they're like, well, you're singing about your secret passion or dream. You know, what does Archie Andrews want? You and know, he's like, I don't fucking know. I don't know. And he's like, you know, because they name off like Betty or Veronica or basketball or poetry. And he's like, I want all these things. And they're like, you can't. That's too confusing for the audience. And it shows a poorly written character. <laughs> so, so oh, really? Just- does it? They just grill Archie like, "What's what's the what? What do you want? What's your big question? What's what's your grand desire? Huh? Huh? Huh?" And uh, Kevin just straight up says, "Do you even know what you are?" <laughs> He's and like, this, "No." This is a lot for poor Archie. So he he uh, does not want to do this. No, he's very very stressed. Is this when he actually pulls himself out of the musical? No. That happens no. later. Okay. But he pulls himself out of rehearsal for yes, right now. He, That's he for needs sure. needs to leave. Uh, but uh, Kevin's real optimistic. Like, you know, I heard your notes. Me and Clay, we're going to take another crack. We're going to write you another I Want song. And this one, this one's going to really speak to you. Thank you for the notes. Yeah, kind of. This is the most positive Kevin's taken feedback in the entire episode. It's... It's another slow slide. Like, Kevin's really easy to dislike toward the end, but I am in Kevin's corner the entire time. I don't dislike him towards the end. He's going through a lot. Exactly. We'll and, get there. And people are being mean to him. Yes. Uh, so then it's just Kevin and Clay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's time for a song between them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, called This Is Love. And it's talking all about them being in love and how it's no ordinary feeling. And they start dancing and lights go up and a disco ball's up and they're smooching. I feel like the staging of the the musical numbers falls along two paths. And this one I will call the In the Heights path. Yes. Where people do break out in a song, but very soon into it, there is a impossible visual element to, to make you, the audience, think, you know, not uh, pay too much attention to it. Like, the schoolyard is now full of spotlights and disco ball lights and everything. It, it makes me think of Moulin Rouge when they're suddenly on the, like, in the clouds. Yes. It's very, you know, whimsical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the others, I uh, most of the others, I will call the inverse tick-tick boom. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, uh, because... Everything that happens, we know, or in most cases, it is revealed at the end, even though it's a very, very easy guess. It's th- we're actually just in rehearsal in the music room. Yeah, I kind of think of it. So if you think back to like Riverdale episodes when they would have like, you know, weird like nightmares or whatever, and they were in like 50 styles Archie. Mm-hmm. It's like if you were to, it's still the same a- aesthetic, but you can tell that it's slightly different and like heightened. Right, or or that time Cheryl looked like she was in the middle of Crimson uh, Peak, and then she woke up in bed. Yeah, so when they go to these, like, montages, it's this, like, heightened 1950s style that you know isn't actually, like, where we are. It's not the real thing. Everyone's a little too giddy, a little too heightened. Yeah, or the costumes are just a little bit more poodle skirt, or whatever. Um, and it's honestly, like, kind of a fun choice because it plays mm-hmm. into that 
a little bit. And the reason I call it the the inverse Tick Tick Boom is because the uh, film adaptation of Tick Tick Boom, which is fantastic, people it's check so it out. good. It's so fucking good. I was so terrified. It's so fucking good. Every number starts in the the rock monologue performed by yes. Jonathan Larson, and then that performance bleeds into the world of the film. Whereas in this case, it starts uh, in the narrative, but then ends in the music room. Typically. There's typically. a couple times it doesn't. Right. But typically. Um, so then we get the title card. Yes. So we had three songs before the title card out of ten. But it's not like the songs stop. They just get a little more evenly spread. Yes. Also, uh, that the big the big Kevin Clay love song is just called "This Is Love." I said it, that. It, it uh, this song is also also by Matthew Doers. Uh, however, I do not know where it falls in that never staged Archie musical from two thousand two. Because this song is not part, one of the ones in, like, on Matthew's website as a demo. Ah. <laughs> what if it was written for that originally, though, and it was like Archie's love song? It could have been. Could have been. Could have been. It could have been Jughead singing to a talking burger, for all I know. Like, it's it's not terribly <sighs> that specific. That would have been good. That would have been good. So, so then we go to um, Pops. Uh, the Pops. And all the girls are there. And this is one where we start within the musical. Yes. And not within the music room. And it's, uh, they're talking of, singing about the Valentine's dance on Sunday. And who, who are they all going to go with? And after about three seconds, it becomes a song. <laughs> and you realize that they all want to go with Archie. Yes. Betty, including the gay ones. <laughs> Betty wants to go. Veronica wants to go. Tony is all, because they're all talking about like, Betty's like, oh, he needs a Betty. Veronica's like, oh, he needs a Ronnie. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have like Smithers dancing in the background. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Smithers can boogie. Smithers can boogie. And then Tony's all like, oh, Archie uh, asked for a ride on my motorcycle. And we get him with the goofiest grin holding on to the back of her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and then Cheryl's like, oh, he was at my house and we like lost power accidentally. Oh, my God. And so we had to like cuddle by the fire. And I showed him my pom-poms. Yeah. <laughs> and throughout all of this, we also like get, uh, we cut to like, the Archies and the girls? Yes, yes. As a band? I noticed this like very early on. Yeah. Very early on, it's just the, the typical triangle. And Betty's got her uh, tambourine and Veronica's at a stand-up piano. And uh -huh. it's the Archies. Yeah. And then we go back to it again. And Cheryl and Tony have been worked in to join the band yes, too. Yes, yes. Cheryl's on bass while uh, Tony is drumming, taking the places of, of Reggie and Jughead. Yeah. And the drum set does say Archie and the girls, which I think is super cute. I think it's super fun. This is somehow the most accurate The Archies lineup we've had. And it's like they're playing, it's, Wait, they're no, dressed they're... up all in like pink, so they're like playing the Valentine's dance at the same time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. This song in this arrangement is called Friday Valentine. They even, in a later scene, refer to it by that title. But it is another Matthew Dewar's original from 2002. So if you <laughs> want to find it on his website, it's the one called Best Frenemies. Which, and they end by singing about how they're best frenemies. And after they're done singing, Kevin's like, wow, that's so fun. What a bop. <laughs> And they're like, what the fuck is Frenemies? They hate this song way more than they hated the first like, song. Like, what does that even mean? And Kevin's like, I invented it. 
So proud. So proud he invented the word frenemies. Veronica hates this song so much she's calling in a favor from her good family friend Cole Porter. Yeah, because she's like, I'm going to get one of my Oscar friends to rewrite us a song because like, this sucks. We are not singing this. (laughs) And uh, Tony and Cheryl are like, well, yeah, we can tell this was like meant to be a Betty and Veronica song and we were just like added in. And he's like, yeah. You asked for that. Y'all complained you wanted more stage time. (laughs) So I did the thing. (laughs) This is how it starts. This is how Kevin's world starts to fall apart. This moment, the first crack in the dam. Because then Kevin goes to Archie and is like, hey, we heard your notes. We wrote a new song. It's one about your quest for love. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and so then we get that song, which is Archie, you know, singing about his quest for love. And it all takes place where he's like at the movie theater buying tickets. And like the two films he has to pick up between are like Betty and Veronica. And the posters are all Betty and Veronica. Mm -hmm. And everything is like, which one am I going to go with? Am I going to go with this world or this world? I don't know. Some wonderful lines like, sometimes I want a little cotton candy. Sometimes I want some onion rings. (laughs) All I wanted was a love that's true, and now I got two. If you want to compare your your crush object to a food, cotton candy, fine. Mm-hmm. I don't see an onion ring, though. <laughs> Veronica will slap you, call it her an onion ring. As she, like, seductively <laughs> shoves a whole fucking <laughs> onion ring in his mouth. <laughs> they have fun here. I'm kind of like, I feel like they missed out on, like, Betty having her lollipop mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. doing, like, a, I'm going to lick it, now you lick it thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's the one episode she's not slobbing all over one of those things. Sorry, sharing a lollipop's like sharing a toothbrush. That's gross. <laughs> I don't care how much, like, my tongue is in your mouth. We're not sharing those things. I love you. I love you. Uh, this song is called I Got Two. It is by the songwriting team of Ben Lee and Michael Wells, uh, best known for... I mean, the thing that came up most often, at least, is is a comedy show called B is for Beer, the musical. Oh. In which Paul F. Tompkins performed. I, I wish I knew more about B is for Beer, the musical. Goodness. <laughs> came out in 2018. They don't even have the pandemic to blame for no. something as frivolous as that. No. That sounds like something that, like... Some people wrote in college of like, yeah, you should come see my comedy club. Like, we're putting on this this show. And you're like, yeah, I'm not paying to see that shit. <laughs> so this song ends abruptly with a record scratch that whips us right back into the music. And room. Archie being like, can we, can we stop? Can we stop? And Archie's like, who is Archie Andrews? I, I'm wrestling with that. Like... In, in the musical, in, like, real life, like, I I don't know. Like, I, I can't do this. It's too real. So it's too raw. He resigns from the musical that he stars in and was written for him about him. And Kevin's like, Kevin's really? Like, what the fuck, dude? Visibly ticked at this. His world's starting to fall apart. And Clay is just like, Archie, we hope you can find who you really are. It's okay. With whatever you're doing, good luck with a big guy. Uh, but, we're your pals. Bye-bye. But Kevin is ready to have an aneurysm. All of my eggs are in one Archie-shaped basket. <laughs> it's all falling the fuck apart. So then we, we go visit... Uh, Veronica and Betty, and mm-hmm. Veronica's like, hey, B, I just got off the fr- phone with my friend Cole Porter, and he's gonna write us a song. He's hot. He's right off the pajama game. Like, he is so hot right now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
And uh, she's like, you know, you know, this song, it brought up some thoughts for me. You recall when the Red Scale, you recall when the Red Scare came to town? Oh, you mean yesterday? Yesterday! I wanted to tell you that in a moment of weakness during the threat of communism, I kissed Archie. That's not how I remembered it. That's not how I remember it going. In a moment of weakness. In a moment of walking right up to him unprompted. For no clear reason. <laughs> and so Betty's like, well, well, do you like him? And she's like, I do, but I like you more. And, and I like you more too. So and maybe this is the universe telling us to swear off Archie and focus on our very straight girl friendship. <laughs> Betty says, quote, focus on our friendship, and then they hold hands. Yeah. Yeah. Our friendship. Screw boys. Let's be friends. So it's time for our first scene out of the school. Betty and Veronica are at school right now. They're at, like, That's true. That's Veronica's true. place. Uh, so, so Kevin is visiting his dad at work, uh, and we find out that uh, Sheriff Keller has been sleeping on a cot at the office. Everyone's doing it. Veronica's such a trendsetter. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, his, his parents are uh, not speaking right now. In days, perhaps weeks for all we know. Yes. So maybe Kevin's on edge for a lot of fucking reasons. Mm-hmm. So he talks a little bit about the musical and a little bit about how, you know, he keeps imagining uh, the three of them in the audience celebrating mm-hmm, with him mm-hmm. in the spring. His great triumph. Um, and he's trying to encourage his dad to come home for a meal so, like, they can talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, his dad's like, no, 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 no. Like, you, you stick to your musicals and your singing and your dancing. I'm not gonna talk to your mom. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a little like, wait, when did you guys become okay again? Did we accept things? Well, Are we just, like, ignoring things? Well, if your lady's having problems, it helps that your go-between is uh, is your son, who's also kind of, you know, a lady. He probably would think That's, that, yeah. I think that is Tom Keller's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's not an enlightened man. <laughs> so, uh, the next day, in the music room, King. Clay and Kevin are joined by Cheryl and Tony, and he's like, you know, thanks for coming back. We've cooked up a new song for the four of us to sing. It's about mm-hmm. people like us uh, who have to be careful about who they love. And so so they, they all start singing, and they all start getting naked. <laughs> <laughs> See, yes, the, the secret gay anthem that, that uh, Kevin and Clay have written is called Do You Know What It's Like? And it's it's all about um, you know a cute little love song about their relationships and a montage of them making out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually written by songwriter Tim Aceto, uh, also a graduate of the Yale Drama School. Ah. Hmm, hmm. Probably sometime around two thousand two. I would bet. Uh, <laughs> but he he wrote Xana Don't, a musical fairy tale, and The Women of Brewster Place a musical he wrote adapting the book of the same name without the rights. Oh. <laughs> Just as a side project Just, while he was teaching school. They love fan fiction. <laughs> uh, so after they're done singing, Tony's like, Wowza, 
you captured the longing of being in a queer biracial relationship in the 1950s. This is great. Can't wait for this to be in the musical. But it won't, because this is a secret song just for them. It's not for the play. And they're like, oh, hold up. We're not going to lie about who we are. We would rather drop out of your play than be inauthentic and also sidelined. But aren't they all still pretending to be in relationships <laughs> with each other to protect themselves from the fact that, like, they live in the 1950s? Hey, Kevin. Hey, Kevin. Maybe making everyone play themselves but also not themselves is a bad concept. A lot of people have a lot of friction with that. Kevin? Kevin? I am, though, confused about them having a problem with this because I'm kind of like, wait... It's, it's one thing if the repressive authorities force them to do it. It's another thing if Kevin tells them to do it. Though if it was in the show, they could he could rework it in a way, though. Because this is something I thought about when they were singing it and the way mm-hmm, it was paired mm-hmm. up with the singing. I was like, if you reworked who had what parts... It's all in the blocking. You, you could pass it off as, we are in heterosexual relationships, but you could be secretly singing to each other. Like in Moulin Rouge, who they have, where they have their secret songs so they know that they love each other. Mm-hmm. It could be like that. Uh-huh. And then it could be like, fuck you all, we're singing and you don't know it. Well, Kevin is talking about, like, a later production when the world has caught up where it will be reinserted, and I'm sure he's thinking along those same lines. Oh, okay. But it's during- I mean, he would know he's gonna go do Moulin Rouge. It's true. <laughs> But it's during this number that my big complaint with this episode, where, where it becomes clear to me that the, the original musical I want for season seven is not the one that they're at all interested in making becomes clear because I believe that Kevin Keller, as to be true to his character, should be like two-fisted all in on the Rodgers and Hammerstein revolution. Mm-hmm. He should be insistent on spe- uh, songs that have specificity to two-dimensional characters with individual voices. Mm-hmm. And also a dream ballet in the second act. There should be there a dream ballet. There should be a dream ballet in the second act. Yes, I but agree. But instead, all of these songs, all these songs are much too current. Yeah. They, they are really part of the backslide into uh, uh, cast recordings being essentially contextless adult contemporary albums, uh, which is what the, the box office success of jukebox musicals have turned Broadway into. Yeah. <sighs> Not a fan. So if I, if I was coming up with this, Kevin Keller would, of course, be a young Sondheim pastiche. And th- this whole, this whole Archie the Musical would be a parody of Saturday Night, and only I would get the joke, but it would be brilliant. I would also accept, like, him being a huge Fosse, mm, like, mm-hmm, and, like, mm-hmm. everything is Fosse. Yes. And him just, like, yelling at them because they're not getting the crazy-ass dancing. <laughs> yeah, what if? <laughs> what, if, what if you took all that jazz... Yes, exactly. <laughs> the, the film, all that jazz. Yes. Oh my god! There should have been a scene with him doing eye drops and saying "Showtime." Showtime. Oh my god! Yes. And then you could do like the big, the big number at the end where he's singing and like dying. Yes. Spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> um, it's like Kevin though, like and I don't know, and his like desperate attempt to get his parents back together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh huh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Also, I think they should have done one that's like the the basically the naked dance scene from it, but yes, it's in yes. like leotards and uh-huh. like they're like 
Guys, we can't do this. We can't that show should this be principal that should be the last scene. Principal Heatherhead Featherhead like, just walks out. Like, I can't fucking do I, this. You can't do this. Yes. <sighs> Missed opportunities. Put me in the room. Put us in the room. <laughs> we could give you so much. But instead, he totally captured the longing of a queer interracial relationship in the 1950s. You know, I recently <laughs> told my running group about my podcasting, yeah. and I just want to like. Say, if you've somehow found me, <laughs> I hope you're enjoying this shit. Do you think they went for most recent? Or are are they back on, like, episode three of the Sticky Maple? I don't know, but I wonder. So once we, again, the action leaves the musical for a minute. And we go to Pops, where uh, Pop is asking Archie, soup or salad? And he just stares. <laughs> Johnny can't decide. He cannot speak. <laughs> He cannot breathe. And Pop has to repeat, Archie, super salad with your grilled cheese. <laughs> He's like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't. And Jughead, Jughead is there. Jughead, Jughead is, is there. next to Archie. They are hanging out. And he comes to the rescue with, he'll just have both. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then and they then? continue what do they to do? talk. They what? They, they are friends. They know each other's they, name. They have their first scene in this entire fucking season. And the thing that happens in this scene is Jughead giving advice that is wise beyond his teenage years. Yet again, we're going to the root. We're going to like Dan DiCarlo era Archie. Yes. Yes, because like, so Archie is like telling him, you know, Kevin's writing this musical about me, and I don't know why. It's not about me. <laughs> I love that that was like, an exact quote, by the way. <laughs> Kevin's writing this new musical about me, and I, I don't, don't know, know why. why. He's like, it's not about me. It's about uh, Veronica or Betty. But like in real life, it's basketball or poetry. Like I don't, I don't know what to do. And Jughead's like, you're having an existential crisis, mm-hmm. and like. It's, it's all about making a choice and you're scared because you're a cube. It's not any of the choices. It's just making a choice because if you make a choice, that closes off a whole world of possibility. And you're at this transitional point in your life where you're seeing uh, uh, the next 50 years laid out for you every time you look at these girls. And Archie's like, whoa. And Jughead's like, I will eat your soup and salad. <laughs> Archie starts singing. He does a, a, short, a brief reprise of I Got Two. About how it's time to take a stand and pick a path to be a man. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. then he's like, Pops, Pop, I only want the grilled cheese to go. I've got to talk to my uncle. And Jughead just looks at him like, proud of that boy. He's grown up. So he goes and talks to his uncle. Yes. And he's like, Frank, I don't want to be in the basketball team anymore. I want to focus on poetry. And Frank's like, what the fuck? He does not take it well. No. He takes it even worse than Kevin took Archie quitting Archie colon the musical. Yes. And he's like, but I need you. And Archie's like, you have Reggie. (laughs) You don't need me. You don't need me. No. He's like, I gotta follow my heart or I'm gonna regret it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Frank's just like, grumble, grumble, grumble. Grumble. Grumble, I look like I belong on a fishing boat. (laughs) He does kind (laughs) of look like he should be, like... Throwing on his, like, yellow jacket to go get the catch of the day. (laughs) Frank Andrews is definitely a cast member of The Deadliest Catch, right? (laughs) Yes. He's getting that snow crab. Yes. Uh, So then, um, over at Kevin's, 
Clay and him are cuddling in their underwear. Mm-hmm. And, in bed. Uh, then uh, Kevin's mom knocks on the door like, Kevin, you awake? Breakfast. Can I come in? And he has to throw Clay out of the window. <laughs> it, it's a window that overlooks like the roof of the garage. Like so Clay's fine. He's not hurt. <laughs> He's just holding his pants on the roof of the garage. <laughs> uh, so then, then you know, his mom comes in and, uh, you know, she checks on him. Did you sleep okay? Are you anxious? And yes, this is the first time we've had someone portray Mrs. Keller. Uh-huh, because she's dead in the future, FYI, uh-huh, in case you forgot. Uh-huh. We don't even get, like, a picture of her. No. No. They finally cast a lady to be this lady who, in the future timeline, is a military lady. Isn't she dead, though? She's either dead or long divorced. I don't remember. She's super out of the picture. In my brain, I always thought she was dead. But no, I think you're right. She's, like, in the military away. I mean, there there was a Mrs. Keller for a while. A former Mrs. McCoy. (laughs) Yes. It's true. (laughs) She brings up, though, that she was thinking that the three of them, him... His father and her can, can go have dinner at Pops yes. tonight. Not the three of them, including Clay, who is outside the window holding his pants. Yes. So back at the music room, Kevin is looking over a song and he's like, so uh, Veronica, which of your famous friends wrote this? And she's like, Cole Porter. And so they start singing it and immediately you're like, this isn't Cole Porter. No, no. A Cole, see, uh. All right, I, the last time we talked about a big musical number, I was like, why isn't this a period pastiche? And it's because they don't want to do a period pastiche. But then, if you say in the fucking dialogue, <laughs> it's a Cole Porter number, I expect a jaunty rhythm, I expect complex rhyme scheme, and a, a remarkably clever wordplay that is, more often than you'd think, really horny. I mean, they were trying to go for it being really horny, I guess, but like not. Especially like pajama game era Cole Porter. My dude, the dude was blue. Yeah. Uh, No, instead what we get is another uh, Brian Lee Michael Wells of Bees for Beer fame uh, doing a very sweet lyrical number that is none of those things. It has a very simple rhyme scheme. You can guess every word at the end of every line. Oh, well, of every other line. It's all about, like, catching a glimpse and do people really see me? And there's a universe inside me that no one sees. But you can. And we get this montage of them making, like, school president signs because they're both going to run. But then they decide to run as co-presidents. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then the world dissolves. And they're in a 1990s school picture day background. Yeah. <laughs> And so they're, it's like space and they're just singing to each other and you, and then they smooch in their dream sequence. I don't want to come down hard on this song because I think I could learn to really like this song. But wh- how it's framed is, my friend Cole Porter wrote this and no, he fucking didn't. Not in a million years. Liar. Veronica lies. Nothing, nothing about this suggests Cole Porter. And it is a nice scene. It is a scene where the two of them discover they love one another again. <laughs> yeah, we, we're readdressing that from a couple episodes. You remember that? So we're doing it in a very clear and and uh, uh, committed way. Like, they both really realize how much they mean it, more than I guess they did on that phone call. But and it's, it's a little weird, though, at the same time, because it's this whole, like, like Kevin and Claire are like, whoa, what just happened they there? They are floored. And they're like... 
wow, that was some type of energy exchange. That was primal. That that was. They do oversell it. They oversell it. They really oversell it when their reaction. I can understand Kevin and Clay being like, "Whoa, I didn't realize there was something here." But oh my goodness, we got little sleep growlies. Are you having fun? You having fun in your puppy dreams? But from from Betty and Veronica's perspective, I I would like to their reaction to have been more along the lines of like, we can't deny it. We have to follow this through. We we can't be afraid of what this is anymore. We we have to be true to it. Because mm-hmm. yeah, there there there's no just frenzing this anymore. Yeah, and instead they act like. It's new to them when instead it's just, un- it should be undeniable. Yeah. And so after they're all like, it was primal, it was charged and intense. Veronica's like, you know, we've been thinking all about like, when are we going to climb Mount Archibald? Maybe there are other mountains to climb. Maybe like there are boobs. Maybe there are other more emotionally complex mountains to climb. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> And speaking of that very simple slope, here comes Archie, who walks in and is like, hey, I've kissed both you girls, and I gotta say I'm rather fond of you. And in unison, they turn and say, fond? Uh, he's like, ah, yeah, it's so good. yeah, but I've been doing some soul searching, and I need to focus on me, so I'm not gonna kiss anyone for a while, or at least try to. So, bye! And they're left stunned by this. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a weird conversation to have. <laughs> I don't think you have to tell someone, especially someone you're not dating, that you're not going to kiss them in the near future. That would be all I say to anyone in the world but you. <laughs> Where would I find time to do anything else? I think Archie's a bit confused after them being like, you have to choose. Is it Betty? Is it Veronica? You're in love with them. And he's like, kind of like... Very confused by this is a musical about me, but, like, just because they're saying this is about you doesn't mean it's actually about you. <laughs> he doesn't know he can separate the two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He thinks if it's written, it's like predicting the future. <laughs> to Archie Andrews, all books are encyclopedias. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so over at Pops that night, yes. um, it is Kevin with his parents, and he he's... You know, like, you know, Julian's doing a great job at being Archie. Um, and like He's the musical, even better than the real Archie. <laughs> the musical's, like, really coming on, along, and they're like, hey, we're getting divorced. The papers are already drawn up and signed, so I guess they just have to be filed. Like, they're getting divorced tomorrow. He does not take this well. No. He does not take no, this well. He is, like, his feelings of abandonment are immediately twisted into disappointment. He walks out on them and is just cutting to them and pissy to them. And to be fair, every time someone has talked to him the past three days, it's been to quit and walk out on him. Yes. (laughs) And so that's how he presents it to his parents. Like, oh, when things get hard, you just quit. That's what you do. Well, I have a lot of work to do. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Kevin. Oh, Kevin. Kevin hurts so bad. Kevin is going through a really rough time. Uh, back in the school, in the classroom, but it's time for a musical number, and I fucking love it, because Julian is playing Archie, yes. and Clay is playing Jughead. <laughs> yeah, that is a great reveal and, in, like, and, the second verse. And someone else is playing Reggie, 
and uh, they're singing about how it's getting close to prom night, and they're getting ready for the greatest night of the life. Oh, Fangs is playing Reggie. That's what yes. it is. Fangs is playing Reggie. Yes. And so uh, we go from, like, them all, like, singing and dancing in the classroom to the girls in, like, the bathroom singing about how, like, Archie's going to be their dream date for everyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we go um, to, to like, the boys, and they're like, you know, hey, Jughead, uh, you're even going to prom with us, too. And it's Clay in a, in a silly little hat. And uh, this Archie, Julian Archie, is a songwriter and football player, and he's torn between them. But like, no, but <laughs> here's the thing. Archie also sings, though, how he has no worries and everything is peachy king. Mm-hmm. And it's this big, beautiful number. It's so fun, high energy. And then uh, we, we cut and we see that they are all in the music room and they are performing doing their workshop for the principal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to applauds. And it's, it's and he digs it. He digs it a lot. Uh, this song is called Prom Night. It is also by the Ben Lee Michael Wells team. And so uh, Principal Featherhead uh, has Kevin go with him to his office. And he's like, that was great, but we are not going to do it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and we go from like the warm lighting of like the red and wood panel of the music room to like, cold grays and, and, and slate blue in the principal's office. Yes. Because we, in times like these, we need tradition. We need reliable plays. That, you know, you know. It's just so forward-looking, Kevin. And in, in this climate, when we're so close to our brush with communism, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we need to do something like Oklahoma. That's going to bring in the people and sell out the tickets for those right, three right. nights. A, an original musical is a risky investment. People see Archie the Musical on a poster. They don't know what that is. They see Oklahoma. Huh. And again, I have to point out, that Oklahoma was a revolutionary work of theater. However, that was 12 years before this takes place. The revolution has set in. And now there's been just far too many bad productions of Oklahoma. (laughs) Oh my god. So, So Kevin is not taking it well... And he goes back to everyone and he's like, well, we're going to be like every other high school and we're going to sing about wheat. And Midge is like, oh, my God, Kevin, we're so sorry. And he loses it. He's like, you're sorry. You're sorry. Mm-hmm. You, you all have done everything you could have done. You've nitpicked everything. You've all been quitting. You've all been whining about your way. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe if you all gave a damn... Like, we could have done this, but you've all been assholes. He kicks a trash can as he storms out. And, and everyone's like, what the fuck just happened? Kevin has feelings? I never knew. And Clay's like, you guys, it's not just about this. Like, his parents are getting fucking divorced, and he has been putting everything into this. This is the only thing keeping him going. And everyone's like, oh, damn. <laughs> Shit, fuck. <laughs> yeah. So back at his house, Kevin is comforted by mommy. Yeah. And we learn that she is very supportive of him and all of his choices and everything about him. And, like, she's trying to be as clear as she can that she loves her gay son while both of them are dancing around the words, very far around the words. Yes. But the message is still getting through. Yes. Yeah. And she wants him to understand that it has nothing to do with him, that they're splitting up, mm-hmm. and that that he 
is not at fault and should not be ashamed and da 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 I would like to think they're splitting up because his dad's a bigot. Yes. And that is a deal breaker for, for dear, lovely, supportive mom. I would like to think that too. And so Kevin can't hear that right now because then no. he would blame himself. But your father's bigotry is not your fault. He would hate gay people whether you're gay or not. Also being gay, not your fault. Yeah. 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 So we were talking about this before and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's it take for like Sheriff Keller to not be an ass? And I was like, does it take his wife dying? Because this is when I was thinking she died and not that they got a divorce. But I was like, does, does it take her dying? Is that what makes him a good man? A good man who for the first two or three seasons we thought was the serial killer every time. But we thought he also had a wonderful relationship with his son. Yes. He just loves to pump iron in the basement while his kid drinks milk upstairs. And (laughs) that's that's the way they do things. Um, So the next day at school, Kevin is in the music room playing piano. And Archie comes in and he's like, hey, I want to say thanks. He's like, I know I left you high and dry. But, but you made me take a look at myself and yeah, make decisions yeah. I needed to make. And I just want to say thank you because, like, I couldn't have done it without this. It's a very kind moment, you know, thanking him for that push to make him do an introspect. Yeah. Just for a minute about soup. Kevin's like, well, I'm glad something good could come from it. And that's when Archie finds out, you know... The musical isn't happening. But he's like, oh, what were you playing, though? Was that, like, something for the musical? And he's like, oh, no, that's, like, something I wrote last night after my mom and I talked about stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lots of stuff. So Kevin starts to play this song. It is called Our Song, or finale, parentheses, Our Song. Uh, this is also a Matthew Dewar's original from 2002. Uh, so Archie sits down and follows along and starts to join him. And then Betty comes in the room and then Veronica and then Cheryl and Tony side by side. And then Clay, who kneels down and plants a big one right on Kevin in front of everyone. Yes. Only half the people in this room are part of the Council of Gays. This is true. And then, uh, Midge and Finks come in. Everyone. And Jughead, Reggie. Dilton's here, baby. Uh, so Jughead and Reggie join for this very important song where they're singing about friendship and being there for each other. Ethel's there. Even though they gave up on the musical, they're there. Yes. But yeah, Ethel, Dilton, Julian's even there. Yes. Which is very strange. <laughs> Who gives a shit? No one likes you. No one here likes you. Get out. You don't but, get to join the big group hug. He does. He joins the big group yes, hug. Yes, they all they all So sing. out of character. Kevin's very emotional. Oh my god. Big group hug. Did was Julian's heart melted by the power of musical theater? Maybe. Oh my god. Maybe. Where's this subplot? I need uh, this deleted scene. Maybe he got what he always wanted, which was to be Archie Andrews. <laughs> It's so true. It's so true. Kevin has given him his dream, so now he is Kevin's friend. <laughs> and he has the power of love and friendship, so hugs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This raises a question. Because mm-hmm. uh, in this moment, I'm thinking, wow, they've been using Dilton more than ever. And I think, I want to think at least, that this is part of bringing Riverdale closer to the source material, closer to the like 50s to 70s Archie comics, right? Okay. Dilton's a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. Why isn't Moose in the 50s? Because then he'd have to have a relationship with someone. Would he? Couldn't they? They would think so. Couldn't he just be like a Dilton-sized role? He could just be 
a fourth named member of the basketball team. That's not even an entire basketball team. No, it's not. <laughs> you need five. Well, where is Sweet Pea? I would like Sweet Pea. Right? Thank you. Right. But they they recast Midge for season seven. They could get a new moose if the old guy's busy. True. Ah, uh, whatever. But yes, this does end, as I mentioned, with a great big group hug as as they finish the song. It's a good song. It's a good song. It's just a little weird for a couple of the characters. Yes, yes. Like, I get why they wanted everyone there, but it's really just the Julian part. Like, maybe you don't have the Julian part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it all would have made sense then that, like, we're there for Kevin and Kevin's our friend. But I guess Julian's there because he heard about the divorce thing and he feels bad. Yeah, he wants to get close to Kevin because Mrs. Keller is a single lady. And, you know, you know? Oh, the single ladies. You know? single ladies. <laughs> Normally it would be Reggie who moves in on that opportunity. But, he, but season seven Reggie is a different Reggie. He's a different Reggie. This, this, this is Creek Julian's Reggie. territory. Yeah. Now. Yeah, this is true. So that's the end of it. That is it, Don. What did you think of chapter 131, Archie colon the musical? It was much better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. But it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... It was a fun episode because of shit, but it was not a good musical. <laughs> like, I will have to, in my free time, just listen to these songs alone as a cast recording. Yeah. And, and to judge the songs that way, but... I mean, it's a much better take than some things they've done. Like, <laughs> it's definitely uh, not the bottom two. No, no. At all. Imagine what would have had to happen for it to be in contention oh, for the bottom two. I mean, with the way we've been going recently, I thought that's where it was going to be. <laughs> I was a bit scared. But for all what I wish it would have been in, in musical style, uh, I do think that it was good. It was good. It's It's one of the few musical episodes that really survives on its plot, while... The Heather's episode was a huge driver of, like, the Ever Never cult plot. Mm -hmm. What season seven's running plot is these characters discovering things about themselves, having normal high school size problems, and then learning to, to live with one another and care for one another. The big group hug at the end, as schmaltzy and corny as it is, makes this an integral part of season seven. Yeah. In, so in thinking... much the same way as original Midge's death yeah. makes uh, uh, Carrie a major part of season two. Well, and I'm thinking about it more. And there's some stuff like, that's still like fucking weird. Like the whole like <laughs> thing with Betty and Veronica, just weird. The way they handled it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But especially after taking a week off and not addressing <laughs> it at all. It's very nice to have some, like, I think it's, the, you know, Kevin's always been involved in all the musicals. Almost all of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kevin was not involved in Alice dissociating. No, we're not. And, and falling that into that That's, New York vacation. That was, like, I kind of almost don't, like, <laughs> put that one in the same plane when I talk about the musicals. Because um, it was just so different. And I loved it so much. Um, Except the dinner party. <laughs> so it's, it's just hard to, like, compare that. Yeah, but yeah. this, though, was like... I feel like the first time they did anything with Kevin's character during it. And they yes, actually, like, one of the things yes. we always talk about is, like, Kevin gets a lot of times shit plots pushed off to the side mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. years and years. This is one of the most shining, like, lights yeah. on his character yeah. and what he's going through in his life. Um, so it's actually very nice to have this, like, really 
heavy thing, and then at the same time you have some of this really goofy shit with Archie, who is figuring <laughs> himself out. Uh-huh. But it's this comical very comic feeling way like the whole soup thing mm-hmm. the whole him just like what what am i doing fond what <laughs> um and so there's like some interesting things in there i it is bizarre that this is the first time though that like we're like yeah archie and jugget are friends <laughs> 14 episodes in i knew something was up as soon as they high-fived at the beginning mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i was like what they touched um, one thing I did think about, there are several times mm-hmm. where they make statements that are definitely addressing the fact that they're, like, in the 50s. Right. Like, Jughead has one thing. It was during that first song where mm-hmm. he's, like, in his place. Four years feels like I've done it before, mm-hmm. talking about high school. Okay? Um, which I thought was, like really funny mm-hmm. but like because of oh, time travel reasons time travel though yeah yeah and there's been several times though there's where there's been things that have been said that it's like oh oh some deja vu going on now what mm-hmm. songwriting credits i neglected to mention is a lot of those 2002 vintage songs had their lyrics touched up by the show's producers oh. uh the one guy who like is the music producer for all of their singing numbers, not just the musical episodes, but like whenever they do another uh, uh, benefit for Pops, whatever fucking happened in that restaurant this week, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Are those some of the lyrics? Maybe. Maybe. I, I, I would have to compare to that demo from the guy's website. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So I did go back and listen to that demo, and yeah, those are basically original lyrics. Uh, The Jughead verse starts with uh, four years, I've done it before. Very, very close to what Jughead sings in the Riverdale episode. Those moments have happened throughout, like, multiple episodes now, where, again, I'm like, is it bleeding in? I'm mm-hmm. probably overthinking it. It's probably not bleeding in. But I like to think, like, oh, it's bleeding in. Their subconscious <laughs> knows. One thing I wanted to bring up about those 2002 songs uh, that bookend this show and show up twice in the middle, there's four of them, uh, is I think there is a real like meta move with Roberto's history with these characters, right? Mm -hmm. Because it is from his very first steps where it's just taking them as they were and now they're being fit back into the characters that they have become after seven seasons of Riverdale and all the issues of chilling adventures and, mm-hmm. and afterlife and Archie meets Glee and everything else he's done with these characters at this company, right? Yeah. And so in that opening number, it's a total dissonance. Those versions of the characters introducing themselves, these versions, even 50s-ified, they don't fit. They rebel against it. Yeah. But in the end, when it's all about, like, we have feelings, we're going on journeys, our friendship matters so much as, as we finish our time together, that's true for both. That pulls it all together. Yeah. And so you wind up where you started because that's the core that all of these superficial changes about organ harvesting cults and (laughs) actually maybe Jughead does like smooching ladies sometimes. All these changes don't really affect that that truest, deepest core. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cult in the woods. (laughs) So proud. Still so proud.
There was a time when Jughead was dating like four girls at once. All right. It was the mid nineties. It's nothing new. This is true. You don't have to like it, but it's not new. One of them was January McAndrews, Archie's descendant from the, the 32nd century. Do you have any uh, predictions? I, I predict that our next episode will have less talk about Be More Chill, which I'm happy about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to open myself up to that heat any more than I already have. They fight mind control people by doing moves they learn from a video game. It's so bad and dumb. I predict that next week... Betty and Veronica won't remember that they're in love with each other. <laughs> no, no. This this episode has convinced me that it truly is Endgame, Betty and Veronica together. Yeah, but they're not going to remember address it at it's, all next it's week. It's only the even-numbered episodes, it's only though. Every, only, even only every other episode. Just like the Milkman, <laughs> we will not address any of this again for me. Well... Yeah, probably another episode. We're not going to address it next time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's only every so many episodes can we talk about these things. <laughs> the Milkman is every third episode. So every sixth episode, there is a Milkman and Betty and Veronica are in love. Yep. Yes. Uh, I predict by the end of this, Archie's going to get a college scholarship for poetry. Oh, snap, snap. Yeah. His uncle accuses him of being a beatnik and storms out angrily. <laughs> I've never seen someone so mad at beatniks. Archie was before, like last episode. Like, am I gonna be a beatnik? <laughs> they seem. Do be beatniks live in New York City? I thought that's the only place they lived. They say beatnik like it's a swear that you can get away with now. Like Those hippies. Like it was a dirty word in the fifties, but we can say it now because it's not really. We're just pretending it's the fifties. But one last thing. Oscar Hammerstein Jr. was uh, uh, investigated for being a communist at one point. Oh, that doesn't uh, seem like they'd want to um, do Oklahoma then. Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals did uh, address, you know, racism, classism in a lot of their, their shows. Don't tell Principal Featherhead I, this. Werther's is going to shut this down. Yeah. That Oklahoma is too progressive for us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I hear there's a dream ballet. We don't want our kids dreaming. We don't want our boys to do ballet. <laughs> there's also knives in the show. That promotes gang activity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We're also gonna uh, collect all the knives in the town. <laughs> We're gonna uh, and have a big them. knife fire. Because uh, uh, cutting your steak makes you think about stabbing people. <laughs> Really, it just makes me think about sex. My name's Betty Cooper. Do you think we're going to address the book burning effort? <laughs> that's, that's also for... next episode. Oh, every fourth episode <laughs> we talk about the book burning. So, darling, what we are we, we going to talk about? We got to get a chart. We got to... <laughs> I feel like we need bingo. <laughs> oh, no, no. We have hot dog now. We Bingo's not in the 50s. <laughs> hot dog. But next week is, uh, well, nothing. Next week is nothing. Because Riverdale is taking another one-week break. The next episode we're going to talk about is Chapter 132, Miss Teen Riverdale. This, if, if it's named after anything, is just named after Miss Teen fill-in-the-blank, Miss Teen USA, etc. Yeah. Uh, because the trailer shows us that uh, W-R-I-V... Yeah, it's doing a Miss Riverdale competition that's going to be broadcast on national television. In color. What? Which Grandstand is a black and white show. Yeah. 
Um, Betty's not impressed by this at no, all. No, no. Uh, but every young, eligible teenage girl is, is competing, including Ethel, except maybe not. Alice does not want Ethel included. Yes, it seems they have to fight for her to be able her, to compete. Her line is, this is a competition, not a charity. Um, and Kevin seems to be singing or hosting. Both, I'm sure. There's going to be big fancy dresses. So many dresses. Everyone looks lovely. Ethel's walking around balancing a book on her head. Gotta get that good posture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or a very flat head. Both works. <laughs> Maybe the flat head helps with, like, the tiara. Ah. Yeah. They can just put it right on top, like a shelf. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that will be coming at you sometime. It'll be a little delayed. Because, as previously mentioned, the week that it airs... Our, our everyone's favorite sex Archie host me will be out of yes yes I know we all know <laughs> uh, will be out of state on a very important work trip so yeah. we will see when we can squeeze that in because then when you come back there's another trip and um, I'm busy I'm a busy person gonna be a lot of bachelor nights uh, through the rest of July for your old second favorite sex Archie host I love you Watching a lot of a lot, a lot of movies, a lot of with, anime with the dog. Probably gonna finish Pat Labor. Looking forward to finishing Pat Labor while you're gone. Yeah, yeah, with Moki yeah. on my lap. When are you gonna go on trips so I get to watch stuff I want to watch? Oh, that's just when I edit shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but once again, if you want to keep up to date with when we announce our our big return and having to catch up again, because I'd like to. Do the finale, the week of the finale, at the very least. We're gonna try. We're gonna 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 do our best. It won't take us that long. The best place to find those announcements is still our Twitter account at sex underscore Archie. Yeah, let us be one of your six hundred tweets a day. That's so fake, right? Like that's not a real number. I don't think so. I haven't been rate limited since that first day. I haven't been rate limited at all, ever. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I saw more than 600. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you could do that. Uh, you can also use this time to tell your friends, leave us a rating and review, yes. all those good things. Yes, there's no limit on talking to people. I mean, there can be. There can be. We call those restraining orders and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> But there really is no limit to, to five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, so do that. Please. Please. I'm so lonely. I need something to read for the rest of the month of July. <laughs> uh, something else you can check out, though, uh, I forgot to mention last week. Oh. Renegade Scum, the new Star Wars miniseries from Six Feet Under, has its first actual gameplay episode up. Episode zero are sort of... Star Wars discussion, our, our, where, where we've basically picked out our campaign frame and our point of view and made our characters went up a while ago. But now, episode one, where our characters actually go on an adventure, or the beginnings of one, is up and live and is really fucking good. Yeah. We did a great job. I love so my big blue man. He's so beefy job. and he knows the force. Just like steamy showers. I don't know if he's ever had one. He's in Star Wars. Does he like to run and whip off his shirt? They're very dirty people in Star Wars. There's a lot of axle grease and sand. Show off his beefy axle greased abs. His name is Iser Munn. He's a Red Wings. You should love him. I I do. 
I do love him for that very reason. Uh, so with that, I'm Elena. I'm Grant, and from us here at Sex Archie, there is no lower art form than American musical comedy. Burp at me? Yeah. <laughs>